I'm so glad to have my wife. I want to introduce you to my wife, Gina, stand up, because this is really our story, what God is doing in our lives. I know you're saying, wow, she's much younger than him, and she is, yeah. I turned 60 this year. It was a little rough for me, and and you're like, oh, 60, you look good, Pastor. You got me, you look hip. Yeah, my wife dresses me. <laughs> no, literally, she dresses me. You should have gave me my blue shirt today, honey. Yeah. Our story is an amazing story. It's not for everybody. But let me just tell you that God is writing your story on your life and through your life. And we all have one. So we call it testimony. But it's your story. Our story is a lot of, uh, involved with our son, Matt, Matthew, Matt Farley, Matthew George, whatever he wanted to go by that day, he had many names for himself, but he was a great little kid, great little guy, and he loved Batman. And so when we tell, every, once a year we tell his story in our church and we call it Batman Sunday. Everybody wears something Batman. So because this isn't a, you know, Batman Sunday, I just wore my Batman socks, just, <laughs> just in case. I just want you to be uh, able to receive what I'm going to say to you. Some of it may, you know, it's going to sound to you like a tragedy, and, and there's tragic things in it, and sometimes it's sad, but, you know, most of the beauty in this world that we see, God born it out of ashes. That's what he does really well. But I want you all to receive this word. So if you don't mind, I'm going to pray over you. Father, right now, from this gentleman in the blue shirt all the way around, I just pray each person here, Lord, just receives up in the balcony, receives your word, give them ears to hear your word of God, that you are touching their lives and you have plans for their lives. And the plans that you have are good plans. They're for a future and a hope. And I pray, Lord, that you bless this message in your name. Amen. My wife and I have been married 20 some years, 20 going on 24 years. We had a uh, 24. Did you say, did you, did you correct me? Okay. I think it's 24. She don't know either. So it doesn't matter. But anyways, we had one child together. His name was Matt. Uh, beautiful kid. We weren't, uh, um, I had uh, been married before. Uh, it's okay. Don't fall over. It's a long time ago. But I had two beautiful daughters, and, um, you know, things happened in life, and uh, didn't, wasn't really what we wanted. But I, along the way, I met Gina, and uh, we've had a beautiful, wonderful marriage that God has worked tremendously through. We had a, one little boy together. His name was Matt. We weren't going to have any kids. Um, so we always, why we named him Matt, uh, he was God's idea, not our idea. And uh, we had a beautiful uh, relationship with him, and we just loved that kid dearly. And he was looking forward to going to kindergarten. He was so excited, and, and he started kindergarten. He was doing, doing well, loved school, and, and it was coming around time for, for Halloween. He liked trick-or-treating because he liked candy, and it was free candy, so he liked trick-or-treating, and I was like, okay, let's do it. But he liked, you know, doing that. So, but we got to that time, and he just, he wasn't feeling well. Something wasn't right. Something wasn't firing correctly. He just didn't have any energy. And, and uh, it came time, he had, he, he had uh, uh, picked out his costume, and we were going to go take him trick-or-treating. We, we made two houses, and he, he just said, uh, Mommy, I'm just so tired. I can't go anymore. And, and we knew something was wrong. And so we, 
We took him uh, to his doctor, and his doctor says, you know, this may be nothing, but I want to send you off to Sacramento to a children's hospital there where they can really get a good diagnosis of what's going on in Matthew's life. And we went on a Friday, I'll never forget it, driving there going, I don't know what this is all about. And, and uh, you know, we got there, and, and it was a Friday, and, and we waited and waited and waited. We did a few tests and waited and waited and waited. And finally, this doctor comes in, he's dressed in street clothes. You could, it almost as if he was just stopping by and he said to me, he says, hey, we have a very skeleton crew during the weekend and so we, we, wanna, we wanna wait till Monday to do some real proper testing, but um, uh, we don't want, and in the meantime, we just don't want you to think the worst, just you're gonna be here for the weekend, we don't want you to leave, but we don't want you to think the worst. And I said to the doctor, I said, well, what's the worst? And he says, well, that your son would have leukemia. And uh, Monday came around and we did these tests and it's like the whole weekend God began to prepare our hearts and then they had a beautiful chapel on the seventh floor of this hospital. My wife and I, we, we just, uh, we just would, would, would find our strength there. And I remember I, was, I couldn't hold it in anymore. I was trying to be brave for my boy and, and I said, I just gotta go to the chapel. And I went upstairs and I, and I, and I went before the Lord in, in prayer and, and I saw this scripture on the wall that, that, that spoke to me and it says, call upon me in your time of trouble. I will rescue you and you can bring me glory. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's what I needed to hear. And I, I came back downstairs to the, to the one floor down to our room and my wife saw, saw me, she goes, she, she don't know, she didn't know, she could just see something happen. She's like, I'm going. And she just ran upstairs and she came back, she said, after prayer, she's like, did you see that scripture on the wall? I'm like, yeah. Well, it turns out there was actually like 20 scriptures on that wall, but all we saw was the one. And, and it prepared us for Monday where we were told indeed our son had cancer. He had leukemia and he was gonna face a uh, three year, three and a half year protocol of treatment. It was an interesting three and a half years. He did relatively pretty good. Uh, he couldn't go to school. You know, he got sick in kindergarten and so he got to be homeschooled. Uh, that was so much fun, yay. God bless you homeschool parents, that's a lot of work. Um, got to first grade, had to be homeschooled. We got to second grade and, and they were, mom and Matt were planning, this kid's gonna go to school, he was so happy he's gonna go to school. And I heard this, the Lord download this word to me, he says, and, and I heard, and I said, Matt's never gonna see a full year of school. And, and I said, she goes, what are you talking about? He's going to school. I'm like, no, I'm just telling you, the Lord just said, Matt will never see a full year of school. And I'm thinking, this kid's gonna be an evangelist. I don't know. He don't need school. He's gonna be traveling the world, doing all, I don't know what I was thinking. I just heard the Lord say, Matt would never see a full year of school. Matt did pretty good for that. He, uh, he started second grade and he made it, I think, till October and he had to drop out and but uh, he got out of treatment, he was in fourth grade now, and he was out of treatment and doing really well, and, and he started going back to school, and he started playing on the basketball team, and he was the hardest working kid on the basketball team that was doing absolutely nothing. I'm like, you gotta get the ball, but he, he loved it. He just loved running back and forth and looking like he knew what he was doing, and it was super cute. It was just nice to see him living a normal life. I think so often that we take normal for granted. And sometimes we, we like, we don't need God until we need God. Uh, I don't need God to walk through my everyday normal life until you need God for walking through your normal and everyday life. And uh, he was doing really good and he only had to go to the hospital, to the, down to the hospital once uh, every two months just to check his blood. And uh, this particular uh, month, uh, 
uh, mom went, and Matt went down and I, I didn't, I was working that day and, and I got home in the afternoon and, and uh, I, uh, the phone rang and I answered the phone and I remember where I was standing in my house when I answered the phone and, and, and mom says, um, let me see if I can get this out. She said, um, they found something in his blood and it uh, looks like we're gonna have to do this all over again. And I, and I just fell. I mean, I saw God do so many things in and through his life, Matt's life in this short period of time. And, and, I, and I was just so glad to have this journey behind us. And, and, but I remember where I was when I just fell on my face before the Lord. And I says, Lord, why would you let this kid go through this again? And the Lord spoke. He downloaded a word to me. And it was so clear as if he was in that room with me. And he said, Matt's going to be okay but I'm coming soon. And if he doesn't go through this, there's many that will not be okay. And we began to start this new protocol. Turns out that he, his cancer did not come back. What happened was his bone marrow fell because of the chemo that he received. And so we started, uh, we had to find a donor a blood donor for him because he needed to have a, a transplant that was the only hope that they had for him and that was a 20% chance at best. And so we started this whole campaign uh, of trying to find a donor for our son and, and it had to be, because he, had, he only had half sisters, it had to be a mixed match, unrelated donor, a mud. And uh, they did finally find somebody that sort of matched up. And on uh, the 4th of July, we checked into the hospital in San Francisco to start this whole transplant process. It was rough. It was uh, not like anything I'd ever seen or that we had seen so far up into these four years. And um, they spent a lot of time, nine days of conditioning his body to get rid of anything that would fight against new cells. So he was just the skeleton of a kid. We were in a very, very isolated situation. We weren't allowed to leave the room. If we did leave the room, we had to come back and we had to clean, totally clean to, to keep him safe. And uh, he re finally, he received his, his transplant. It was just like a blood transfusion, not a, really a big deal, but the, 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 he got his transplant and then the clock started. And when they were watching for his counts to start coming up. And his counts weren't coming up very, very fast and very well. And, and it just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And then, and then uh, uh, one, one particular morning, uh, he woke up and uh, he slept most all day. He was only awake a little bit at night. And, and uh, he woke up uh, early in the, in the, in the morning and, and he had to go to the bathroom. And I set him down on the, on, on the toilet and he was crying. And, and he said to me, he says, Daddy, I've been praying for three whole minutes for God to take this from me. Why won't he take it from me? I said, baby, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I put him back to bed and, and uh, later on that, that afternoon, he woke up again. And this time he got out of, out of his bed and he took up to these machines. He has all these cords. Uh, I think you'll see it on the video. Uh, but he has all these chords hooked up to him and, and he starts dancing around his room and he starts singing this song. He goes, I'm going home in three days. I'm going home in three days. And we're dancing with him. I'm going home in three days. I'm going home in three days. And we're all excited. But then I'm like, but baby, we got a long ways to go. We're going to be here for months. And um, later that evening, a, two doctors and a nurse showed up at our, our, our room and said, can we, Mr. and Mrs. Farley, do you, can we talk to you down the hall in the conference room? And so we went with them and they said to us, 
We don't know how to tell you this, but there are no donor cells left in his body. We don't, we don't know where they're at. They're just not there. And there's, there's only a few cells that are there. And the cells that are there are cancerous cells. And um, we have one or two things that we can do. He said, first of all, you can choose to just take him home and uh, he can live his days out at home and uh, uh, he'll probably live, a, I asked him how long would he, do you think he'll survive? He says, well, he might get two months more with him. And uh, um, I said, well, what's the second option? They said, we wanna try something heroic. We're gonna, put, we wanna put him in ICU and we understand this is, this is extreme measures and most likely he'll die in the first 24 hours of the toxicity in his body. But we, we, this is our last, that's the only chance we have is something very heroic. And how does a mom and dad make that decision? And so I said to the, I said to the doctor, I said, well, if we decide to take them home, what's the procedure? And they said, um, well, we have to, we have to uh, uh, line him up to get some blood transfusions because he can't make his own blood. And, and you'll have to sign it, do not resuscitate because if you take him home, no one's coming to the rescue if something happens. And, and uh, and I said, well, how long does all that take? And he says, well, if we start now, we can have it done and he can go home in three days. And I heard from the Lord through that because this is not a decision that a mom and dad can make. I mean, as a dad, it's my job to protect my child. I want to put him in the hospital. I want to put him in ICU, try something heroic. Any chance is better than what, you know, the no chance. But my son knew that he was going home in three days. And, 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 and let me tell you, parents, listen to your kids. They have this amazing ability to walk and step with God in a lot of ways that we don't. Because you know what? We kind of get in our way. A lot of the tripping that we do in life is tripping on our own feet. But kids have a way of just seeing into things with God. And, and we were learning so much about God through our son. And, and so we, we, we set him down and we, and we, and we said, honey, I, we need to tell you this. Um, um, the doctor said that your transplant didn't work. And they says, well, what does that mean? They said, well, we can, they want to put you in the hospital, in ICU. Mommy, daddy won't be able to go with you. And they want to try something to see if they can uh, help you. Um, or they said that you can um, just go home and, and just live your days out at home, but you're going you're gonna to die. And uh, he cried a little bit and he said, Daddy, man keeps trying to fix me and I keep getting worse. I just want to go home and let God decide what to do. We took our little boy home. We had a great time, spent a lot of time. It was a good uh, uh, time with him, and uh, he couldn't make his own blood, so we were getting blood all the time, but uh, we had a, just had a fantastic time with him, just loving on him and enjoying him, and he was full of joy, and, and, and he started to have this, this, he started to improve. Things were like, he was actually producing cells, and things were moving a, a, a lot in, in, the, in, the, in the right direction, and, and, and he was very popular in our town. He had been in the news 10, 15 times, and and a lot of people knew him, and they were, there was a couple of big functions going on in writing for him, and we, 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 we took him to this function one time, and on the way home, I looked at him in the rearview mirror, and I could see him with this look on his face, and I've seen that look many times after we came home, and, and I, said to, I said to my son, I said, hey, are you okay? And he says, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm like, honey, I see you like that a lot. Is, is there something going on? Are, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you scared? He says, no, I'm not scared. I said, well, I see you like that a lot. What's going on? Are, are you praying? And he says, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, you're praying. You're talking to God? And he says, yeah, I'm talking to God. 
like, good, good. I said, uh, is God talking to you? And he said, yeah, God's talking to me. I'm like, oh, well, what's God saying to you? He just got kind of serious, looked up at me in the mirror, and he said, God says I'm not allowed to tell you. And I'm like, <laughs> not allowed to tell me? Hello, I'm dead. Give me that phone. Let me talk to God. <laughs> What's he talking about? But you know, as this journey with him went on, I realized that God, whatever God, God was going to do in and through Matt, God was preparing Matt. Whatever God was doing in and through my life, he still needed me to walk by faith. If God just told me everything he was going to do all the time, I wouldn't need to walk by faith. If God just showed you the whole, you know, the picture is like, you know, bright light. If he shows you everything, you wouldn't need to walk by faith. His word is a lamp unto your feet. A lamp doesn't light very far. It's okay. If you take a step, you'll see the next step. If you take a step, you'll, you'll see the next step. Somehow I feel like I shouldn't walk forward. So I'm going to stay right, right here. I, I get excited. I move around. And so we he was doing better, and, and we, he wanted to go down to a church in Bakersfield that he got really close to a pastor, Ron Vietti, and he wanted to go down and get uh, baptized at this church, and we stopped on the way to get, to, to get some blood, uh, to, we call it tank them up. Let's tank you up so we can go. And, but he, has, he woke up that morning, his knee was swollen. It was really swollen, and, and, it, and um, we stopped at the hospital, and the doctor says, you know, Matt, he's doing much better, so... I don't want to risk this. This is an infection. Let's treat the infection. Because if he keeps on this course of improvement, he can, we can do another transplant. We could try again later on. And so we checked him into the hospital. And after we were there for three weeks, and it turned out that it was not uh, an infection. It was actually cancer cells accumulating in his body. And uh, he wasn't doing very good. And things were moving down in the wrong direction really fast. And... Um, I came home to catch up on some work and, and I hadn't heard from God in a while. Uh, you know, I, I'm, in, in the Christian community, it's really easy for us to say when God shows up, when God shows up. But the, the, the word of God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So if we're waiting for God to show, if we're waiting for God to show up, we're missing something here. God, we don't need to wait on God to show up. God is there. What we need to do is position ourselves to hear from God. And this, he had been pretty quiet and, and God hadn't spoke a lot to me and this, I was home on a Tuesday morning and, and um, I was brushing my teeth and God just came and he just spoke to me while I was brushing my teeth. And he says, I'm gonna move in this situation but I need three things from you. He says, I, first of all, I need you to keep sin out of your life. I'm like, sin out of my life? I'm living in a hospital. What? I mean, nurses aren't even all that attractive. I don't know what, <laughs> where we're going with that. Um, but I'll explain that one in a minute. The second thing I need you to do is I need you to keep your son focused on me. And then the third thing, no matter what you hear, no matter what you see, don't let go of your faith. There is a way that the enemy uses situations in our lives to cause us to sin by doubting our God. So God was telling me, you don't listen to that voice. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. And so I, I called my wife and said, the Lord's going to move in our situation. This is cool. I'll be right there. And, and I took the three-hour drive back to Sacramento to see her and was there with our boy. And, but it was the beginning of everything. It was on a Tuesday, and it was the beginning of the next week of everything changing. Everything 
going in a much different direction. There's so much to that that I'm leaving out, but I, I, I just got to be conscious of time. On a Sunday, on that following Sunday, uh, cancer cells got up in his ears and he lost his hearing. And, 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 and uh, the doctor says he just is, he's lost his hearing and he's, he's not, he can't hear anything. And so I took out a notepad and I wrote on the notepad, I said, are you scared? And he read the notepad and he can't hear. So he, was, he shouted back at me. He says, scared? What do I have to be scared about? I just can't hear. And it's like, man, kid, I just need some of your faith. But by Tuesday, early, early Tuesday morning on October 18th, things had moved in a, in a different direction. That Sunday after he lost his hearing, my wife and I went up to the chapel together for the last time together, and we says, Lord, we want you to heal our son. But it doesn't look to us like you're going to heal him. And so if you're going to take him home with you, just we don't want to watch him suffer. Just take him home. We give you permission. We release our son back into your care. And that Sunday morning, um, Mama was on one side of him, and I was on the other in this little hospital bed. We just curled up to our boy, and he was unconscious most of the time. That last 24, 48 hours, he wasn't conscious much. And once in a while, though, he'd, we'd look over to check on him, and his hands would be stretched to heaven. And I'd get in front of his face, and he had no idea I was there. He just was seeing heaven. And one time, he woke up, and he said, do you see them? They're all around me. We were just curled up next to him, and I was so moved by this kid. And I said to him, I just mumbled to myself. He was unconscious. I just mumbled, you know, this kid, he's taught me how to live. Now he's teaching me how to die. And I just mumbled to him. I said, I love you. And he heard me. He opened his eyes, and he heard what I said. And he turned to me, and he says, I love you too. And uh, Mama's like, man, can you hear us? So she took the opportunity. She says, I love you. And he turned to Mama and says, I love you. And I said, you see Jesus, don't you? And he shook his head, yes. Like, you can go home. Mom and dad will be okay. We'll take care of each other. When we're done, we'll be home too. And he shed a tear, and he was gone. How do you know God's real? Because 10-year-old kids don't fake being okay, leaving their, his mommy and daddy behind if God is not real. He's a, he's a very real God. And he cares about you. He has a plan for your life. This is the part of the message where everybody starts crying, and I know I understand. I get it. I'm going to tell you a joke. I'm going to tell you my favorite joke. We're going to change the room for a minute because we've got, we got something I, I, you need, I need you to hear. This pastor, he, uh, in this little church, uh, their, their bell ringer died. And they had this tower, you climb up and you ring a bell. And so he put in the bulletin, I'm going to run auditions for anybody that want to come and be the new bell ringer. We'll give you an audition and see if you're capable of ringing the bell. And so all of these, the handful full of people showed up that, that particular day and they all went up in the bell tower and they all took turns ringing the bell. And it was, you know, it was okay. But all of a sudden the hatch opens up and here comes a guy up into the bell tower, and he has no arms. And he, and, he, and he says, I'm here for the audition to ring the bell. And the pastor's like, well, great, but how are you going to ring the bell? You have no arms. He goes, watch this. He walks into the bell, and he hits the bell 
with his head, and it makes the most incredible sound. I mean, it hits him again. It's an incredible sound. Now, all the people in the town are coming because they never heard the bell ring like this. And he's ringing the bell, and he's hitting his head, and he's hitting his head. The pastor's like, that's it. That's, that's all I need to see. You're our new bell ringer. Let's go down and sign some paperwork. So they're, they open the hatch, they're starting to go down, and the guy is so dizzy, he turns around and he falls out of the bell tower. He falls down, hits the ground. And the pastor's hustling down, he comes down, there's a crowd already because they came to hear the bell, and they're all surrounding this guy, and he's laying there, and he's dead. And the pastor walks up and he goes, he's dead. And the, pastor, the people, one of this guy says, pastor, who is that guy? He says, I don't know, but his face sure rings a bell. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get Kleenex for that one too, I know. He's like, man, I thought our pastor did bad jokes. That guy. I'm so glad your pastor's on sabbatical. I did last year. I took a sabbatical and I told the Lord, I need you to download Fresh Vision for me. And And he did. It was the last day, but he still did. And it was a beautiful thing. Listen, you are more than a familiar face to God. He knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what's happened. He knows what is happening. He knows everything about you. We need to learn to take God at his word that he has a plan for your life. To give you a future and a hope. He cares about you. The problem is today is that we don't take God at his word. Something shows up in our life and it's horrible and it's sad and it's like, ugh. And we're like, our job now is to inform God of what just happened to us. Do you not see what happened to me, God? I know you're busy over there. They got a lot of problems over there in Russia. You were over there and you missed it. This bad thing happened to me. It's like we spend our time letting God know what he already knows. The better question is, why is God positioning me in this for something that's going to bring him glory? Because it's going to. God never sets up his kids to be victims, ever. He sets up his kids to be victors. But we have to listen to what God wants to do, what God has to say. I had a lady that came to my church. He says, oh, I'm so glad to be here. God told me to come here. I can't. He's so good. I'm so, and she got you know, involved for a few, a few months. And then, then she, she came to me and she says, listen, um, uh, what you said on Sunday about that situation, um, um, uh, God said that now it's time for me to leave. I can't, I can't receive. But if he tells me to come back, I'll come back. I'm like, man, you're God, you, you just got this roller coaster right with God. You need to just stand still, be quiet in your own head and listen to what God wants to do. What God, we are not transformed by, by this deliverance thing. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. That God will give us new thoughts. And how does he do that? He does that while he's speaking to you in situations where he has your attention. I love the story of King David. King David's gonna be king over all of Israel. But do you know for seven years that King David was only king over Hebron out of Judah? For seven years. It was seven years before he actually stepped into Jerusalem and was king over all of Israel to fulfill the prophecy. But David was more interested in being in God's will than he was in getting his way. You and I would have been like, hey, Lord, you promised me, hey, this kid was a gift from you, God. Well, I don't understand. Why are you at 10 years? Are you, are you taking him from us? 
I don't understand. That doesn't make sense, Lord. But I want to be in God's will. I'd rather be where God is going than where I'm going and God come with me. It doesn't work like that. And I think what the world needs to see today is Christians being Christians. Like, man, did you see what that guy went through? And he went through it like, I could never do that. God wants to use your life. When we started off uh, in this journey, I was horrible. I remember one nurse told me, you're the worst day I ever had as a nurse. But, but at the end, she told me that at the end of our journey. At the end of our journey, my wife and I are walking the halls. We knew every family. We're praying over their children. We're praying over their families. We're speaking words of encouragement to them all the while while our son is dying in the back room. There's something so much more, something so much bigger. We're bringing lunch and dinner and donuts to the, to the nurses. And, and, and we were their best day, not their worst day. The Bible says, look at the scripture, John 16, verse 13 and 14. I think we have it. It says, this is the words of Jesus. He's speaking to his disciples. His disciples, Jesus is about to be arrested He's about to be going through terrible tragedy and misery and going to the cross and die for our sins. And he knows this. And what is he doing? He's concerned for you and I. He's concerned over his disciples. And he says this, when he, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. Himself. And declare to you the things that you need to hear. If you're going through something today. If you're going through a struggle today. If maybe your trial has turned into a tribulation. Maybe it seems like it's lasting a long time. Maybe you don't know what to do with this anymore. Maybe you're like, why am I going through this testing? If you're going through something today, it's because God has purpose in it. He has purpose in you and the way you walk through it. He has purpose in, 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 in the Bible says that, he, that the, the, God tests the genuineness of our faith. What is he testing? I mean, get this picture. It's not like God's in heaven going, hey, uh, angels, come here. Um, man, that guy, Bill, I'm not sure he's the real legitimate. I need you to go down and test him. Let's find out if his faith is really real. God knows everything about you. He is not testing your faith to find out if your faith is real. He's testing your faith so that you will know your faith is real. He knows everything about you. He needs you to know that this God you speak of, that this God that you talk about, you can trust him. You can walk with him and he'll walk with you in all the things, whether they're good or whether they're bad. Second Peter 1 Peter 1.21 says, for, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's what preaching is. It's authentic. It's the authentic word of God into your lives. What we do with it is like, man, that was a good, good message. That pastor preached good today. Let's go. You want Mexican food or Chinese food today? <laughs> I'm up for Chinese you're taking me out to lunch, I'm, I'm Chinese. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. But that's what we do. And the Bible says we're like that man that looks in a mirror and walk away and forgot what we look like. 
God's downloading his word into your heart. He's bringing revelation into your life so that you can move in what is you're going through now or what is, is coming up or what you've been going through. He cares. I'm gonna blow you away. It's okay. Put your hand on the person next so they don't like fall over because this might be a little too much. God's intention is not that you believe in him. God is, that's not his intention. What are you talking about, Pastor? We got a supposed to believe. God's intention is not you believe. If, if he manifested himself right here, right here, right now, you're gonna believe. You're gonna be like, that's God. I believe. That's not his purpose. His purpose is for you to walk in intimate relationship with him. That's why he sent his son. And so it's one thing to believe, but he wants behaviors that go with that belief. I'm not talking about legalism stuff. I'm talking about walking by faith. Without it's impossible to please God. He wants so much more than belief. He wants behaviors to say, those are my kids. In the midst of all that tragedy, in the midst of what that, that, that bad stuff that's happening, look at the way my kids are acting. They're moving by faith. Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, because uh, they were so concerned with what Jesus had to say. So he was asked by the Pharisees, when will the kingdom of God come? And, and, and here, listen to the way he answers this. Jesus in Luke chapter 17, verse 21. He says, the kingdom of God is not something you can visibly detect. You can't say here it is or there it is. The kingdom of God is within you. Your friends, your family, your neighbors, your people around you, they need to see the kingdom of God. Where is it? It's not there. It's not there. It's in you. It's in you. It's how you posture yourself in that word of God. It's how you posture yourself in, in that relationship with him. And, and the purpose of that is to bring glory to him. Why did your son die of cancer when so many other kids were being healed? I don't know. But I do know this. I serve the kind of God that would allow a sacrifice like that for the sake of you coming to know who God really is. Because there's worse things in this world than dying. You know, it's tragic. And in our, in our flesh, we see death. I, I remember I was, uh, we, the week after his funeral, we went to Palm Springs and I was floating in the pool and I was so, I was just thinking of the, those moments of our son dying and I'm like, oh, it's so horrible, it's so tragic. It was just sad, it was tough to watch. And the Lord came to me and he says, I don't want you thinking about that. Because what you saw was death. I gave your son life that wasn't death. I am more aware now of the power of the spirit in me than I am aware of the weakness of the flesh on me. I don't care. It's not really good to be in our, I mean, it is. It's good to be in our church. But I, there, I have this thing in our church, like, I don't really care. I've already seen the words that, if you do that, Pastor, they're gonna like, I don't care. What are they gonna do? You haven't COVID, we can't open up. What do you know? Everybody's closed. I don't care. We're opening up. I've already watched my son die. What's more is gonna happen? I look good in orange. I don't care. Let's do this thing. He said he himself will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Do you have the courage to walk in that? Listen, it doesn't matter when you get started. I didn't step into ministry full-time till I was 50. 
I have not been a lifelong pastor. I sat there a lot longer than I've stood here. All I said was, Lord, I don't know. I don't know what you're gonna do with what's left of me. There's not much. But whatever there's left, you can have it. I just wanna know you the way that boy knew you. Watch this video and we'll close. In every one of those pictures and videos, he has cancer. Every one. But what's defining your life, your problems and your struggles, or your God? Who wants to bring victory in and through your situation? If you're, if you're not living in victory, maybe the problem is you. And you need to release and let God just work out his purpose in your life. I'm gonna close with one story. About six months after our son died, I was really broken and missing him. And, and you know, I'm like, God, I just miss my son and I believe he's in heaven with you, Lord. But you know, you, you start worrying and wondering and doubting. And I'm like, Lord, I just need your assurance that, God, that my son is in heaven with you. So if, will you let me dream about my boy tonight? Because I never dream about him, hardly ever. It's just, Lord, just give me a dream about my son tonight and I'll take that as indeed he is with you in heaven. So that night, I dreamed about my boy. And it was mom and dad, and we had him by the hand. He was in between us, and I could feel him. I could smell him, and we're just walking and just loving and laughing. And his, 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 his two purposes in life, one was to serve God. The second purpose was to make mama laugh. And so we just walking, and we just laughing and having a good time. And we're walking down this long walkway, and I realized we're at Disneyland. And as we walk towards this long walkway, I see a roller coaster at the end of this walk ramp. And on the roller coaster was his two sisters. And then I woke up. I'm like, oh my goodness, thank you, Lord. I mean, Disneyland, heaven, okay. I just started putting it together. I'm like, I'm just grateful that, uh, it's not so much anymore. But anyways, Disneyland, heaven, it's cool. Later on that morning, my daughter calls me, my oldest daughter, she says, Dad, I had a dream about Matt last night. I said, I did too. Tell me your dream. She says, Emily and I were sitting on a roller coaster at Disneyland. And you and Matt and Gina came walking up. And I said, wow. I said, what happened? She says, well, at first I didn't want to say anything. I was afraid that in my dream, I was afraid he'd disappear. So finally I says, Matt, is that you? And he said, yeah. And he said, but you died. We saw you die. And he said, just because I died doesn't mean I'm not alive. I'm more alive now than I've ever been. She said to him, do you like it there? He says, it's the most amazing place and I can't wait for you to get there. Yeah, but only God. Coincidence? No, only God can do that. To have my daughter finish the dream so that I know that I know that I know. Listen, that is our destination. If you know the Lord as your savior, heaven's your home. And so if you're not dead yet, it's because God has purpose in your life. He's still wanting to use your life to bring him glory and to do things that are bigger, greater, more amazing than you can ever hope for or imagine. I want to ask you guys to stand up to your feet real quick. And uh, we got two, two and a half minutes left. That's all it takes to know the Lord, two and a half minutes, and you just change your life. We ask the worship team to come back. First of all, if, if, if all you know is, is you have this belief in God, that's cool, but that's not what he's after. He's after you being involved with him, engaged with him in a personal, 
life-changing relationship where you will never be the same again and the people around you will never be the same again. I'm still me. My wife's like, reminds me all the time, you're still you. I'm still who I am. God doesn't need me to be a different version of who I am. I am who I am. There's only one of you. If you don't have this relationship with the Lord, then there's no one to take your place. He only made one of you. I don't know what your journey is. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what God is gonna do in your life. But I know this, if you give him the opportunity, you don't have to lose a child to know that he is real. He wants to be real to you. I was thinking about an altar call and what to do and and the Lord just downloaded something to me and I just can't help it. If, If you've been walking in a struggle, then you feel like God doesn't even hear me anymore. This is a very real struggle and God doesn't hear me anymore. He doesn't even, I'm not even sure that God cares about me anymore. Let me just tell you, he cares. He wants to change the situation. When I was waiting for his transplant, it was so hard. I was, it was so hard. I had to go downstairs to get a cup of coffee. And I, and I was going back to the elevators. There was tons of people. Was a, UCSF is a very busy hospital and, and but on the way back the Lord says I want you to go to the, the chapel I'm like for what I want you to go to the chapel I just want to go back to be with my boy I go to the chapel and there was a lady in there so I walked I left and then on the way back to the elevator he says I want you to go to the chapel so I went to the chapel and I sat down and I'm like Lord I don't know what I'm doing here I just want to be with my boy and then the, I said, I'm going to get up and I'm going to leave and I'm just going to say hi to this lady and if you take it from there. And as I was getting up and I was walking out, I said to her, are, are you, do you have a child here? And she was crying. She says, no, my sister. I said, what's going on with your sister? And she said, uh, this is a last ditch effort to save her life. If this surgery doesn't work, she's not going to make it. I said, well, I'm a, I'm a chaplain in my hometown. Can I pray for you? And she started weeping and she says, I just, this is my third time coming down here this morning. I said to the Lord, I don't even think you hear my prayers anymore. I don't think you even know that I'm here. But if you do, if you do truly believe and care about me, send a chaplain to pray for me. I'm not even the hospital chaplain. I'm just the chaplain that God's using. God cares about you. And you may think that God doesn't hear you. He hears you. You may think that God doesn't know what you're going through. He knows and he cares. And I just want you to come and be in the front here and I'm gonna pray over you real quick. We're gonna do this quick. We don't need a long time. But if you just feel like you're walking in something and you just need release from it, you just need a new perspective from God on it. If this message really touched you and you're like, that's me, God. Do you care about me like that? I just want you to, we're not gonna do a whole lot. We're just gonna come. If you acknowledge God, he'll acknowledge you. He needs you to know that he's here with you. I could tell you where God was in our pain and suffering. I could tell you where he was. He was right there in the room. When I cried, he cried. When I wept, he wept. When I suffered, he suffered. And he just put his arm around me and he said, it's not forever. I'm with you, my child. Someday you'll be with me in glory. Someday this story will be, you will be with him in glory. You'll meet my son. He's a cool dude. He's got good hair. But now God wants to speak to you. If you have prayer people that wants to come and stand with any one of these, I'm just gonna pray over them. Father, right now we release the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. We release a new perspective. We release a new anointing. 
We release a new calling upon their life, a new direction upon their lives, new life into their lives. The enemy has been stealing from them, killing their joy, taking things away from them. We rebuke him in the name of Jesus. These are children of God. He has no more power and authority over them. Pray release in the name of Jesus. We pray wellness and wholeness in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your work in our lives and in their lives. We're all in this, knitted together for your glory and your benefit. We ask, Father, for your touch in the name of Jesus, for your healing touch in the name of Jesus. Miracles are great and healings are great, but if, if God has healed your body of something and he, I, I got bad news for you, you're gonna die anyways. But what he does in your life and through your life by you knowing him and walking in relationship with him is eternal, it's forever. No one will ever steal it from you. Father, in the name of Jesus, anoint this man in the name of Jesus. Put your hand and touch upon him, Father, in the name of Jesus, for your glory, Father. Raising this man up to bring glory to you in a new way. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God is good. I'm just gonna have our worship team sing us. Lord. In the absence of your pastor this month, God's going to bring people here that's going to speak into your heart and into your life. They're going to hit you right where you live because God cares about you so deeply and so much. We're just opening, I just see these, these doors opening in, in your lives and in this church like never before. God's going to do something beautiful. He's giving your pastor fresh vision and he's giving you fresh vision and direction. Trust God in all your ways. Acknowledge him. He'll never let you down. I promise you, sing us out. Thank you so much. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Will you thirst for a drink from the well? And Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. 
Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy From the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling Oh, come to the altar Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Bow down before Him, for He is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah, Christ is What a Savior, my Lord, you're so wonderful. That's why we sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Right now, I bow down before Him, oh Lord, you are Lord. What a gift. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. People, other people go through those type of things and they never share their story because the pain is so hard. Thank you for being willing to share us, share with us your story and letting us in. I know that throughout, I just kept thinking, I just want to be near my children right now. I just want to fiercely hug on to them, hug them and hold on to them. Um, thank you for a Batman Sunday. 
we are blessed to have been to have you with us this morning. I encourage you guys this week. If you have any area of your life that is eating you alive because it's just so painful, please hear them this morning that it does not have to be that way. You can let the Lord into that place. You can let it go and you can begin the healing process so that you are free to turn that pain into praise. Amen? Do that for yourself. Because I guarantee you, if they can share that, it is a witness that we can share anything and bring anything to our Savior so that we can be truly free at every level. Let's close in, let's close in prayer together. Father God, first, I just want to thank you again for Pastor Dale and his wife. Lord, we just pray a mighty blessing upon them and over them and over their church. Holy Spirit, continue to use them in power to minister to his congregation and to the community in Reading. Lord, we send them off with blessing and our hearts being with them as they have opened their hearts up to us. Thank you that you are blessing them and have blessed them immensely. And all I ask, Lord, is for greater things to come, greater things to come, greater things to come, greater things to come. And I'm so thankful that their son is waiting for them in heaven, that he dances over them, he talks to Jesus about them, that you, that he is alive, more alive than he's ever been, pain-free, all of it, and so excited to see mom and dad again and the rest of his family too. Thank you that Jesus in you, we are united forever. We are never truly separated by death, except if we don't know you and we reject you. You are the great uniter. Lord, I pray a blessing over our congregation this morning to keep them in good health. May we love each other fiercely. May we love our family fiercely. Lord, we love you so much. We're so thankful for all the gifts you've given us, especially your son, Jesus, and your presence in our hearts and in our lives and our families in this church through the Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. And please keep Pastor in your prayers through the sabbatical as well. I know that he uh, loves that. All right, we hope to see you again next week. God bless.